Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Dan Mullen will be out at the Mercedes-Benz with a tape measure, you know. <laughs> I believe these dimensions of the field are the same as our little patch of grass down in Gainesville. Pete Thamel! Outside the playoff, the bowl that I want to see the most is going to be Cincinnati, Georgia. If it's Florida, if it's Texas A&M, if we'll get sort of some of those missing hints. And SI's Pat Forty! There is nothing that says beating Big 12 teams should matter. But it does because we've decided... 50 years ago that the Big 12 is a big deal. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, Welcome to the pod. Final weekend of the regular season sort of championship Saturday. Hybrid coming up. We've almost made it. Incredible there. We also have National Signing Day. We're going to get to later. I was up about 7 a.m. this morning. I was disappointed I could not find a TV show just going wall to wall. It's a little uh, subdued for this early signing. I hate, or I want them to go back to February. It was more fun. Yeah. I need some Tom Luganville or somebody sitting there 14 straight hours breaking down prospects from, you know, suburban Phoenix. <laughs> I want the live shot to like some small town in South Georgia where the guy commits to Auburn over Georgia by bringing out a live tiger into his high school gym. And then everybody goes to class. That's what I need. Is he a strong side defensive end or a weak yeah. side defensive end? Like that's what we're missing here today. Yeah, that's it. And some town you never heard of, yeah. you know, yep. flower bottom, Georgia. <laughs> oh, All right. Who knew, right? And there's the kid. And, oh, yeah. That's, I, yeah, I miss that. So, hmm. they, you know, we I prefer we go back to February. Whatever. We'll get to all that. But first, look, uh, we have our rankings. Ranking show came out, and it was a doozy. Really go, I think, as they uh, planned. Nothing changed, of course. The top five are all the same. Uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M. Uh, the big issue was University of Florida lost as a 23-point favorite to like half the LSU football team at home, somehow only dropped to number seven. Iowa State moved up to number six. The team that beat them by 17 at home, Louisiana, is still 19th. There are so many different things on this. I think the biggest issue with this committee, more than ever any other committee, and none of them, the whole process is stupid. I'll get to it. But 
the inconsistencies of the picking and the rankings vary not week to week or season to season, but team to team. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, who cares who's ranked like 11th? It's not going to matter. They shouldn't even be doing this. And I won't want to break. I don't want to spoil the season for you, but you know, I've seen the plot. I've seen the script. <laughs> Alabama's going to win three more times, and then we're not even. <laughs> but <laughs> this is what we're supposed to argue about right now. I won't uh, spoil our alert. Uh, you know, it's like the explanations are just unbelievable. They're just like, well, uh, we had to move this team down because they didn't play this week. Well, what about this team? They didn't move. Well, yeah, they didn't play, so we didn't have anything to evaluate them on. And I don't think actually that many fans necessarily care. They're just there's a lot of smart people who follow college football, and you're just like, why are you insulting my intelligence in this? Like, where's the logic? Like, I like the process. I like problem solving, and I just look at it and go, I don't necessarily care that USC is 13th, but or Texas is 20th. But like, how does this make any sense? Explain this to me. With the legendary question by Nicole Arbach of the Athletic uh, to Gary Barta. Uh, here, let me read this thing. I mean, this is a great wise ass nowhere to move out of the question. I mean, it's just a beautifully phrased question, but it's completely wise ass, which I like, but pertinent. It's really journalism at its finest. <laughs> Gary, a big picture question. When Iowa State loses to Louisiana and Florida loses to an unranked LSU team and those don't play a role in the rankings, what's the point of playing games? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was an actual question. Yeah. And, and, and everyone's like, you know what? That's kind of what I wanted to find out, too. And Gary Barta goes, well, the games are important because that's what we evaluate. So, um, Pat Ford, you had some strong opinions on this. I read your column last night on SI.com. Please uh, enlighten us with your reactions to the uh, to the uh, selection show, which also could be called something, a different kind of show with an S at the start of it. <laughs> it sure could. <laughs> Like last week was the worst rankings show I'd ever seen in the history of this bungled, mangled playoff. And this week was worse. This was the new low to me is where they're they're doing things that are absolutely indefensible. And then Gary Barta tries to ham handedly defend them. And the point that you made is exactly right, Dan, is that basically they're just insulting our intelligence here. You know, if they're putting on a dog and pony show and trying to you know, they, they are doing what they want to do to rig things in the favor of the Power Five teams. I don't think you can even deny that anymore. Uh, but then they're trying to explain it with this, well, here's the rationalization here and here's the justification there. And it's insulting. It is the classic, don't spit in my face and tell me it's raining. And that's what we have gotten for the last couple of weeks, especially from Gary Barta. My God, last night, I mean, he, he was pitiful. Him both with... ESPN and afterward in the teleconference was just uh, uh, abominable. The, the one that, that almost sent me over the edge, I, I nearly just died of apoplexy, was when <laughs> I, well, he was talking about... Almost lost Pat. Yeah, we almost, he almost lost me. Talking about Coastal Carolina, you know, and well, they didn't move up because... They did play a game this past week against an under 500 team in Troy, and uh, they struggled against a five and six Troy team. Okay, that is true. Now, a little context for starters. They were just coming off the biggest game by a thousand miles in school history against BYU. Dramatic college game day on campus. Everything huge. 
What happens to every single team in America after a game like that? You have a letdown. But they still won the next game. And team that is tw- six spots higher them than, than undefeated Coastal. Two loss Iowa State. When Iowa State played two and seven Baylor on November 7th, they struggled against the two and seven team. They were behind by two touchdowns in the third quarter. They rallied to take the lead, but then they needed an interception in the end zone to get out of their own home stadium with a win. But as Gary Barta said, they lead the Big 12, which shouldn't count for crap, but it does. (laughs) It's ridiculous. The Big 12 has done nothing, showed nothing, and they get a benefit of the doubt because they're the Big 12. This is what the system is. This is what we're up against. It, it reminds me of the the great book and movie, Thank You for Smoking. Like, essentially, they're, like, defending big tobacco, right? And they're just trying to, like, crush everybody else. And so in honor of uh, in honor of that tortured analogy, I looked up uh, I looked up some Thank You for Smoking quotes. Thank You for Smoking is a book and movie that goes into how you are the PR person for big tobacco. And that's essentially Gary Barta's role. Like, yeah. he has to defend the indefensible right now. And they, like, prod him out there with this, with this stick, and he gives kind of his bland Midwestern explanations to these like heated questions and it's it's all kind of hilarious if you really if you really think about it because what they're doing is clear and is clear and obvious so my favorite thank you for smoking quote was i like a challenge if you want an easy job go work for the red cross (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh my gosh (laughs) that's the beauty of the argument if you argue correctly you're never wrong so what i always like to do is we realized a week ago that these coastal and Cincinnati are getting jobbed, right? Yeah. It was obvious. I mean, there were neon flashing signs. We are going to make sure they lack opportunity. So this is really what, like, we're like, all right, well, what's their end game here? They're keeping out of the top four. That's fine. We all had conceded for weeks that they weren't getting to the top four. But now it's like, where are they going to really try to squeeze them out of the, you know, of of a New Year's Six game? Here's what I want to know is like, what are, what are the behind the scenes machinations going to be to like make sure that Georgia doesn't play Cincinnati because nobody wants to play Cincinnati in a COVID year with no motivation. You make your kids skip Christmas, right? Who is actually going to want to play that game? I mean, to, to me, the coastal move was just basically a way to say, well, if Cincinnati loses, we don't want coastal in there, you know, like in that top whatever whatever tier it is. So it's it's all it's all fascinating right now. But like I just I'd be curious what you guys think. Like, what's their end game here other than the obvious? Like, is there like a second layer that that the committee's looking at? I I don't know that it's that organized as much as it's just he keeps talking about how we have all these expert football people. And they're just kind of like, obviously, they're going with the big brand. But what I hear from Gary Barta is like, well, we have these expert football people. And I think the football people on there and, uh, you know, maybe it's R.C. Slocum. You got Ronnie Lott, Ken Hatfield, coached a bunch of schools. I just don't maybe this is totally my theory, but I don't know. Who knows? This is a better answer than you get from Gary Barta. I just don't think they like the smaller schools. I just think they have no respect for those schools. And so they're just basically like they can't be any good. You know, beating Texas matters because they're Texas. So we're going to give Iowa State credit. And I, I just think that's how it's – they don't have any respect for Cincinnati. Cincinnati could be 15-0 and 0 and they'd still be dropping. Yeah. Right, you know, I, Coastal Carolina could be 20-0 and 0 and they'd still be sitting at 12. I, it, somebody sent a tweet out last night or said something new, I think all of us, that said, you know, 
Iowa State is getting more credit, much exponentially more credit for beating Texas than Louisiana is for beating Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so if you logically look at this as a problem, it, none of this makes sense unless you just sit there and say, I don't like small conference. I don't like non-power teams. I like big brains. No. And that would be fine if they came out and said, we just don't think these teams are any good. Right. Then I'd be like, well, you know, maybe I disagree. Maybe I don't. I don't think any of us are here to sit there and say Coastal Carolina. Nobody really wants to see the playoff with Coastal Carolina as the four seed. Like none of us are none of us really have a problem with the result of the top four right now. But in a lot of times in America now, if you agree with the result, then you defend the process, even if the process is screwed up. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to defend the process because the process is stupid. But. It's just basically like we don't like these teams. We we think Iowa State's winning the Big Twelve. They got to be sixth. And you're like, why? The Big Twelve got housed by the Sun Belt. <laughs> Remember, it was like in September. I said the Sun Belt is better than the Big Twelve. They beat them. At, if it was a Sun Belt Big Twelve challenge, <laughs> we had one of these basketball things. The Sun Belt won three to zero. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> where's the? Oh, well, yeah, but they're not any good. They beat them at your places. But yes. uh, yeah, but. So I think it's I don't think they got a plan. I think they're just I think the football people that they keep talking about are like these teams stink. And yeah, nice season. Pat yourself on the head, Cincinnati. But that's it. And they're not. And and that's their opinion. I'm not necessarily going to tell say they're wrong. I don't know. But it's certainly why are you spending two days supposedly going through all these data points and analytics and all this crap if your if your system is basically like we don't like these teams so why why what, what do we care yeah no that that's the thing is the the there there's a, a complete disconnect between what they're trying to sell us on the process versus what they're actually doing because it just doesn't make sense otherwise there you know there is no logical way to look at this and you know, give the Big 12 this benefit of the doubt. And that's Gary Bard is on there like, well, you know, Brock Purdy's playing really well and, and Brees Hall is having a very good season. Yeah, they're playing against other Big 12 teams after the Big 12 threw up on itself. There is nothing that says beating Big 12 teams should matter. But it does because we've decided 50 years ago that the Big 12 is a big deal. And, you know, that that's the part where it just, it, it kills me that, like, are you watching? the? We're watching the games. Yeah, you're watching flawed teams play against flawed teams from a flawed conference and giving them incredible credit for beating those teams. Oh, they they really, they killed West Virginia. So what? They killed Kansas State. So what? They killed Kansas. So what? You know who else beat Kansas State? Arkansas State from the Sun Belt. Well, it, this will put Cincinnati in an interesting spot because they're clearly getting job. And... Mike Oresco certainly went to bat for them. I got texts about Pat's tweet about Mike Oresco's performance uh, during the uh, during the signing show yesterday. I really feel like if you're Cincinnati, what do you do? Now, knowing Luke Fickle uh, for a number of years, he is not a politician, right? Which is ironic because he replaced the guy who's actually a U.S. senator. Um, <laughs> but that is not Fickle's nature. Fickle is a just he's an old wrestler look straight ahead tackle the day guy he is just not into the game of chatting politicking and such but i do think his voice right now if he came out and blasted these rankings his voice would never be louder because everyone realizes what a sham this all is maybe six weeks ago when it looked like things could break for cincinnati to be in the conversation i asked fickle about it and basically 
he was just, he did like a deep exhale and he was like, I guess I got to do something to like say something. And he said, I think we have the ability to do it. He said, a playoff contention. We have a quarterback. You can play solid defense. I think you have a chance for us in part. And it's just not coach speak. And then of course he proceeds with coach speak. You can win every game. If you are playing at your best at the end of the season, the committee won't give a damn you beat Memphis 49 to 10 or how badly you beat SMU. You have to be playing your best ball. So that was prophetic in some sense because the committee has used the fact that they haven't played against them. Even though when they have played, the empirical evidence is very clear that they're an elite team and they're blowing out the teams that they face. So it will be very interesting after the AAC title game if Cincinnati wins. And it is not a sure thing that they'll beat Tulsa. Tulsa's a very good team. Zayvon Collins, All-American linebacker. They have two NFL corners. Like, I think that game is going to be a, a, a low-scoring rock fight. I just think Cincinnati has slightly better rocks. Um, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see if you're Cincinnati – how you position yourself. Uh, John Cunningham, the athletic director, tweeted out a Rodney Dangerfield no respect gift last night and then erased it, mm. which is like which is like the most. Yeah, it's like the most harmless thing possible. And then, you know, they get scared of a shadow. Get in line. Yeah. Don't comment. Yeah. yeah. Big bro. Yeah. yeah I mean, no. You're going to get smacked yeah. down. Yeah. That's the thing. You have so little There's respect. Up. You can't pretend. Appointments at stake. Big jobs at stake. It's a it's a it's a quintessential Lay low, don't make the big mistake, college athletic leadership move. Yeah. Let me just go to this about this, this whole bit. And I have been on this since they invented this committee. Now, I it was in favor of a committee because someone's got to sort this out. But the weekly show, the weekly rankings is one of the all-time dumbest yep. sports marketing ideas ever. And the fact they stick with it makes zero sense, okay? There is no need for these rankings. Come out at the last day. Here's your rankings. This is what you have. When you are going to put out a product, if you are going to release a new Cadillac, you do not leak out all of the debates that the engineers have along the way. Well, we were going to put this size engine in, but then we decided to do this one because the customer is going to look at the end and go, you know, I really would have liked it better if you had that other yeah. engine. You just release the new Cadillac and say, it's perfection, babe. That's it buy that Cadillac. You don't do this, okay? This is the dumbest, and I said it from the start, the people who set up this committee, this 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 playoff, don't or don't didn't want to and don't know how to do a playoff. So the playoff stinks. It's too small. It's it's way too exclusionary and they they got excited about marketing. This isn't marketing. All that's happening right now because the common fan doesn't watch is your hardcore fans hate this yes. and they're all screaming you guys are insulting our intelligence the committee has no credibility we don't trust your rankings we see your bias because you're debating it live also we can do a half hour show or an hour show on espn on a tuesday night that nobody but the most dedicated fans already watch like there's no new customers coming in because of the espn show if you aren't a hardcore college football fan you wouldn't even be able to understand what the hell that is <laughs> be like what what is this? I'm clicking the, okay. So it, it, it is not effective marketing. It is nostalgia and it's nostalgia to the poll. Okay. The AP poll has been a boon for college football. I agree, but it was invented by board sports writers. <laughs> That's who invented the AP poll. There's no reason for a poll in 1934. The AP poll began. Imagine how bad the poll was when you couldn't watch <laughs> teams. There were no highlights. There was no TV. There was nothing. There was a I guy. Heard the radio the, highlights. They sounded good. Maybe. Maybe. They, 
They got the score, a score over the telegraph. (laughs) And some guy at the Nashville banner photo, "Eh, sounds like Florida's pretty good. Or, you know, boy, that army team. It was a joke. It was a joke. It makes no sense. Is there certain things in sports that you have to look at and go, why did this exist? And remember Bill James in baseball going, what, how, who created the box score? Why are we, why do we run the baseball game through how the box score tells us the game? Oh, some guy who used to cover cricket invented the box score. It, 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 it's just a fake invention. Board sports writers created this. You know what board sports writers created that's, that's very popular? The mock draft. No. The mock draft, right? That's a board sport. This is what we do in sports. We don't have anything else to write about. Invent a story. So the mock draft. The mock draft is great, though, right? It promotes, as a third-party entity, it promotes the draft. Everyone loves a mock draft. Everyone looks at the mock draft. There, I, Think about how ludicrous it is that months before the draft, there is somebody sitting there telling you who the, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to draft 19th in the, in the first round, let alone 38th in the second round or something. I mean, it's stupid. It has no bearing on anything. Imagine if the NFL decided, you know what we're going to do for five weeks before the actual draft? We're going to trot our GMs out <laughs> and hold a mock draft. <laughs> and then the GM's going to say, I like Wilson at number two because we need to be help on defense. And I don't like Smith because his, his footwork isn't good enough. And then all of a sudden he picks Smith. And all the fans go, what the hell, man? You said he didn't have good footwork. You would never do this. You would never do this. It would be stupid. That's what they're doing. They're killing their own credibility, shooting themselves in the foot because we're now arguing over who's number 15 in a poll where only the top four matter. (laughs) I'll agree with you that they are exposing their lack of credibility, but the show does get people talking. We would not on this podcast right now be talking about the rankings right now and the playoff right now, it is it is probably not the best way to promote it because you're essentially promoting your own uh, incapability to properly rank teams. But there is like a, there was an entire news cycle and they're doing what, four of these shows this year, five. There's entire 24 hour news cycles based on these. And there's a power to that. And it, there's a power to the conversation and there's a power to the debate. So I just don't think it's completely dumb to have these ranking shows because I, I, I we talking I, about I it anyway. There is, I do think there is some power to the marketing of it. That's all. I, I've just, I, I can't, I can't blanket dismiss the idea behind having it as we're actually executing an example of why they do it. Yeah, you're right. Except we are executing an idea by executing them. I mean, we're killing them yeah. as is everyone else. And if, if that's what you want Any to publicity, for, I, I guess so, but that's, the most these things generate is outrage and anger. And I, I, I kind of side with Dan where I don't think they, A, I don't think they need the extra publicity. I mean, we're all going to talk about the playoff regardless. We don't need we don't need Gary Barta to make a buffoon of himself to talk about the playoff. But now it gives us a chance to say what a buffoon Gary Barta is. So, you know, I just I, I think it does. All it does is undermine public confidence in what they're doing. It, to me, this is, you know, like. You're you're eating at a restaurant that you like, and you like what is put on the plate in front of you. Do you really want to go back in the kitchen and see the you know the the guy that looks like crap putting your your meal together? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I kind of restaurant you eat at. <laughs> <that, Pat. laughs> hey, I like kielbasa. What's, what's wrong with kielbasa? Yeah, that's it. That, you don't want to go to the sausage factory. You just want to pick up the sausage and eat the sausage. All right, it's dumb as these rankings are let's still talk about the rankings let's give them their marketing at least we can do 
Gary, poor Gary Barta is getting beaten up. At least we give him something. All right, so the big thing with Florida going to seven is this. They didn't drop out. Their playoff chances are not ruined. If they win against Alabama, and we'll get to that being quite a long shot, but let's say they do, are they back in? Because I, I see it lined up as the as the committee coming right out. Gary Barta saying the Florida Gators have won nine SEC games this year. No, that's the all-time record for the most games other than Alabama already having 10. In a normal season, you only have to win nine SEC games. If you do that, you're undefeated in the SEC. You're in. They'd be an SEC champion. They always get in. Can Florida get in with two, two losses by beating Alabama and, and basically bumping Ohio State right out of this and leapfrogging a Texas A&M team that defeated them? Yeah. What do you think your chances are here? I mean, I think they, they have a chance. I don't think they should, but I think it's clear by the by where the, the committee situated them that they do have a chance. And probably what they need to hope for is for Notre Dame to beat Clemson. And then you it's it's two lost Florida that has conquered Goliath, has beaten um Alabama versus two loss Clemson, whose best win is against Miami. Uh, and then you just have to hope that, yeah, one loss A&M who beat Florida kind of just gets pushed to the wayside because you have the big win over Alabama. So could they? Yes. Should they? No. I don't think they can. I mean, when you when you dial in on their on their resume, they have one top 25 win over Georgia, who's good. But as, as no, no one here standing the table, standing on the table for Georgia. Now, Georgia's gotten better since they uh, finally transitioned from uh, Stetson Bennett. But. I really would be again like so you'd have to keep Alabama and Florida in the playoff at that point, right? Yeah. I would take two loss Clemson over Florida. I, I don't even think it's close. But it could be one loss. It, it would could also be two loss Florida over undefeated Notre, I mean Ohio State. Yeah, I don't no I way. don't see that happening. No way. That's not happening. I mean that's but, but happening. play they got nine wins against six. Yeah, no. And they beat Alabama. I mean, it would be a debate. It would be a debate. They would have beaten Alabama, they would have beaten Georgia. Ohio State would have beaten Northwestern Indiana. I mean, the, the wins would be better for Florida, but they also would have lost two games, including one to a team with a losing record. They also played the games. I know. I mean, I, I look at I. I think I've my my feeling on this whole <laughs> committee. But when you only drop to seven, you're saying, "No, something. I know it." We don't care about the loss. Yeah. And for for Florida, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, if you beat Alabama and you beat that, they got better wins. Now you got you got worse losses because the other team didn't play. I I just I think Ohio State should be in the playoff, but I just think they should have had to play a real season. In play a season, they're going to play six games. Four of them are going to happen with a basically a bye week in front of it. Yeah. Okay. The opener and then the last three games. When you have two weeks to prepare, week and a half because games get canceled, you have no. This is ridiculous. I compared it in a column to like playing the, the, the Masters, but you get to play the forward tees at Augusta National. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like you're playing. It would still look like DJ's playing because he's got to make some putts, but yeah. It's a considerable advantage to say the least. Um, but if you don't know what you're looking at, it's like, well, they're hitting, they're hitting clubs. It's like, nah, he's hitting sand wedge into everything. So it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I think, I think they could get in. I think if they beat Alabama, they get in. It'd be, it'd be wild. But all right, Barta talks about Georgia. They're good now because they have JT Daniel. But then they give credit to Florida and Alabama for beating Georgia before they had JT Daniel when they weren't any good. Sure. Like that, that was sort of like back to back sentences at one point last night. I'm like, 
Again, it's like, I don't care, but what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Do you see the flaw in your logic here? Like, it's like talking to a child. Like, what? Yeah. All right. Um, Texas A&M basically needs Ohio State to lose and, and Florida lose, and they're in? They 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 go? Or could there possibly, could, could Iowa State uh, somehow get in if they beat Oklahoma, because there seems to just be this great love affair with the big, the big 12 this year. Yeah. I just, I mean, if they take Iowa state over Texas A&M and I'm not in love with Texas A&M, I'm not, you know, I mean, they, they've had a good season. They have a couple of good wins. You know, the beating, beating Florida was a very good win. Obviously uh, beating Auburn was a pretty good win. Their one loss. Now they, they, it was, you're losing to Alabama, but they took a beating against Alabama. That was a beatdown. So, I mean, I, I look at their resume and I'm not like, oh, that's really good. Like, I would rather see Cincinnati in there than AM. But I am not taking Iowa State. I, th- I think I've made that pretty clear that if it's a selection committee of one and it's me, Iowa State is, is out of the top 10. Forget it. I'm, I can't wait. I hope Cincinnati ends up playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl like a lot of people have uh, projected. I just want to see it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's another thing about like these like faux debate shows and the rankings. You get sick of talking about it, right? Like I've, you know, people listen to the podcast. I've stood up for Cincinnati a, a couple weeks in a row. I think pound for pound, they mauled everybody they played and they deserve an opportunity on the on the highest stage. Now, usually Cincinnati plays uh, UCLA in the regular season. They play, you know, like Cincinnati is not a scared scheduling team, right? They played the Buckeyes up in Columbus a few years ago. Like there's, so I like what, again, bowl season is going to be a mess and there's going to be, I think five ACC teams have pulled out at this point. Uh, at least. Of the, of the at, bowl at season. least. Yeah. Might be, might be six. Georgia Tech did, even though they weren't eligible, they did like, or like they, they were, they were a very, very light case. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. LSU, LSU did to get out of NCAA sanctions like this, this bowl season, there are going to be a lot of elements of it that are like a, a bit of a sham, but I do really feel like the high-end bowls are going to be fun. And outside the playoff, the bowl that I want to see the most is going to be Cincinnati, Georgia. Or, you know, Cincinnati, if it's Florida, if it's Texas A&M, if it's, if it's somebody. Because then we'll, we'll get sort of some of those missing, missing hints of, uh, of, of just that crossover data that we've lacked. All right, let's talk about a couple of the games this weekend. Probably the most interesting is... Uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, we'll make our pick and race for the case, which is it's a heated race for the case here going in the last week. Let me just ask this. What difference do you think Trevor Lawrence will make in this second game, Pat? Oh, I think he's going to make a difference because I, I was there for the first game and Clemson kicked four field goals in that game because they couldn't finish drives. And DJ Oyongalele is great and was great in that game, but he was an ineffective red zone runner, and Trevor Lawrence is a very good red zone runner. He is—he's fast, faster than you think, and tougher than you think. Uh, so uh, he will help him in that category, and I just think he's probably better at reading and fitting throws into small windows in in the red zone. So I, I think that it's a big boost for uh, for Clemson to have him back, and 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 if they have some defensive players back as well. Yeah, I, I'm double down on Pat's point. The first thing I was going to say about Lawrence is you think back to that Ohio State game last year, he beat them with his legs. And so it's also, too, the the difference between, obviously, someone who's going to be a three-year starter or a majority of three-year starter with Lawrence versus, D, versus DJ is the decision of when to throw and when to run. And it just the digestion of what's in front of him and then do I pull and go? Do I not pull and go? Um, I also think, though DJ played obviously extremely well, I think he set like the school 
passing yardage against Notre Dame Stadium in that game. I, I do think there is a little bit more precision with Trevor. I still think the key to the game is those three interior linemen for Clemson who are suboptimal. So if Notre Dame can get a push, I mean, they stuffed Travis Etienne last time. Then that was their entire game plan was to just eliminate him from the game plan. If they have that same game plan with the same looks, Trevor Lawrence will be able to exploit it. I thought the physicality of Notre Dame was the key to the last game. No question. I, I wasn't expecting that. And you don't, but both, both trenches played, played really well and they would have to, uh, they will have to duplicate that. That was about as close of a game as gets. I'm hoping we get as close of a game uh, this time. All right, moving on to the SEC title game. It's the other, you know, biggest one. Uh, can Florida win against Alabama? Uh, Alabama's average margin of victory, average score this year, 50 to 17. That's the average score Alabama has put out there. Alabama is, uh, we have some quotes from a very good story on AL.com, the Alabama uh, newspapers. Uh, they called around and talked to some anonymous people. It's kind of a Pete Thamel uh, bit. An SEC uh, coordinator, Bama by 21. An SEC offensive coach. I think Bama will beat the blank out of them. A high-ranking SEC team official. I don't see it being real close. NFL scout, Bama will beat them by 20 or more easy. Florida offensive line is real, real average. Defensive line is not much better. DBs are just okay. LSU scored 37 on them. Bama will easily be in the 40s. SEC defensive coach, Bam, Alabama will kill Florida. No question. End of conversation. This is like quotes. This is like a screenwriter quotes from the underdog Disney movie, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yes. They don't have a chance. Straight from a screenplay. <laughs> You're dead. Don't even show up, right? And then Dan Mullen will be out at the Mercedes-Benz with a tape measure. You know, <laughs> I believe these dimensions of the field are the same as our little patch of grass down in Gainesville. Right. right? Let's do it for all the small schools, coach. This <laughs> yeah. poor Florida. Poor little Florida. Poor, poor little Florida Gators. How are you going to survive there? That little operation. Are the uh, anonymous people in the AL.com story correct, Pat? Hell yes, they're correct. I can't believe <laughs> I, I don't want to get too far into race for the case, but I can't believe the line's only 17. I mean, Alabama's offense is a merciless machine right now, and Florida's defense is not good. Uh, whoever said they're going to score in the 40s, I think that's too low. I think Alabama rolls. I look forward to the bag of tricks Dan Mullen pulls out. It, it'll be in, if, if they try some things early, onside kick, fake punt, go on fourth in a minus situation, like that will be the tell to what Dan Mullen really thinks the matchup is and how much faith he has in Todd Grantham. Faith in Todd Grantham can also usually be indicated by how much he's screaming at him on the sidelines. I really, yeah, I really think it is a it is a talent mismatch, and I agree with the uh, with the cartoon quotes from our friends at AL.com. They do a great job. Just think Jalen Waddell got hurt. Yeah. yeah. What what other offense could lose a guy that good? I mean the best he was was he better than Smith? Yes. I don't know. Yes. Uh, he was. He was making more he was. plays. He was certainly making more explosive plays at the time that he got hurt. You know? I mean it, incredible. If, if if you have Jalen Waddell on this team, I think you're talking about maybe whether it's the best offense of all time. Wow. A note yeah. from our friend Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks from the NFL. Bama wide receiver Devonta Smith is a blend of Marvin Harrison and Calvert Ridley. So, yeah, you add Jalen Waddle to that mix. It could be the best of all time. 
And DJ doesn't do hyperbole. Like mm-hmm. he's a he's an earnest uh, evaluator. And it is National Signing Day, or it's it's the start of the early signing period, which I don't like. As we said earlier, I want it back in February. Uh, but it is here, and um, uh, big stunners. I'll, I'll give you the big breaking news: Alabama got a lot of good players. So did Ohio <laughs> State. Wow, uh, Georgia. Yeah, those you know, stunning. If you think that, uh, like, basically the college football playoff the next five years, it's basically like who's joining Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, and the you know, as the other team. It's the breaking. That would be like the 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 bit. Is it Oklahoma this year? Is it Notre Dame? Is it Oregon, Georgia? Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. really all it is. Um, rich get richer, but I don't blame them. These kids want to go play for the top schools. Uh, weird year, obviously, and there were no official visits. Uh, practically put the hostess business out of out of uh, out of work. <laughs> I don't know what those peppy college students did. Georgia, I, I saw Kirby Smart talking. They cleaned up in Georgia. He said it was great. Nobody could come recruit any of the kids in Georgia. <laughs> so. They, they pretty much got all the guys there. That had to been that's got to be pretty good when you're sitting on a bunch of talent. We talked a lot this year about Miami doing well. LSU just landed the number one player on Rivals. I always use Rivals. I think they're the most least accurate and consistent. Uh, kid named Mason Smith, but it's M A A S O N. Better start learning how to spell that one. Two A's for all American, Dan. Yeah, that, his parents <laughs> knew from birth. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. M-A-A. I mean, you get you hear like a name like Mason Smith. That's about as as basic of a name as you're going to get. You didn't think you got to get a spelling on that. But there you go. Double A for Mason. Were his forefathers Masons or Blacksmiths? <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> that could be double profession. <laughs> when you say basic, right? I feel like the names that go back centuries, you know? Like they, yeah. Well, we got All-American. He was a defensive tackle. There he is a defensive tackle from Huma. Down in the bayou, which is like right near where Ed Orgeron grew up, and of course is the defensive coach. And I, I wrote a column about some different stories. Like if Ed Orgeron isn't getting the number one defensive tackle who basically grew up in his hometown, Ed Orgeron's in a lot of trouble. Like you, you got to get that kid, and he did. So that uh, I thought that was good. LSU, I, we can talk about them. I mean, I don't want to, I don't know what to say about. Ohio State and Alabama, other than they're, they're going to be great. They got tons of guys. Good for them. There's not a lot of drama there. I did think LSU's an interesting class because they did not have a good year. Obviously, most of these kids were juniors or almost all. Maybe they got a JUCO in there. I don't know. But they're juniors when they win the national title, and LSU always gets good recruits. But this is a nice bounce back for Coach O getting a, a, a class that high. Right, Pat? Absolutely. No. And that's why I think I even said back when I when we first broached the subject of whether he's Chiswick 2.0, the one thing that will probably keep him from that is he's a ridiculously good recruiter and they're sitting on ridiculously good recruiting soil. And if they they're doing their job to the height of their abilities, then LSU will always have great talent. I, I mean, if, if there's years when LSU doesn't have top 10 talent, something probably went wrong. Here's a here's a thought as we're talking about the predictability of uh, of this signing day in terms of the Blue Bloods being on top. So next year, signing day is going to be totally different, right? Because you're going to have name, image, and likeness. And you're going to have whole new factors that, although perhaps technically aren't involved in recruiting, are going to be completely involved in recruiting. When we talk about LSU, like who do you think benefits the most? When you look ahead to signing days and the conversation changes and it becomes about 
the hookup with the car dealer and the branding and the billboards and essentially loopholes to pay guys, you know, the black market rising up. Well, like, like who do you think of that? Like LSU, I would think there is going to be money funneled to these kids again, legally now, which is great. But I'm just curious how, how you guys see that unfolding. Well, I, I mean, you, you want to talk about something that's going to make the rich richer? I think that probably does it. And that's, that's the biggest uh, concern I have about name image likeness. I'm glad it's happening. I think it's going to be really messy for a couple of years as they figure things out. But this is the schools that that have the boosters that care enough, that have the financial wherewithal, that that are going to be able to put better financial incentives in front of their prospective student athletes than anyone else. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think it, this just will even further consolidate the power beyond what Dan already uh, delineated that the time, I mean, the top schools are the top schools every year in recruiting, and they're probably going to be even putting more distance between themselves and the people that are trying to catch them. I actually disagree with that. I think it's, I think it's an opposite situation. I think where the, the schools are going to benefit the most, the ones that have the boosters, but have some other issue that holds them back from recruiting. I mean, look, if we look at this other than Oregon on this list, and I guess Notre Dame, maybe, I don't know. But you go top eight, these are all surrounded by tons of t- local talent. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon is not. LSU, Clemson, Florida, USC, these schools are recruiting their backyard. I think the schools that are going to benefit the most are Nebraska. I think it's, you know, could be could be Louisville. Uh, it could be, uh, it, it could, you could spread it out. You could see a kid staying at Pittsburgh or something. It, 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 there's only so many endorsement deals. There's only so much, uh, attention. And if you can be the one five star that goes to a place like Nebraska, or I've said at Boise state, would you rather be a court? Would you rather be a, a, a big star at Boise state or Oregon state? Like it, it eliminates some of the conference affiliation and by adding money, it will gap some of the geography. And so I actually think more schools will have an ability. Arkansas, plenty of money in Northwest Arkansas. They just don't have players nearby. Uh, and so I, I think when you look at people trying to get a job, you go, all right, if, let's say you're you're weighing three or four options for a job. That never happened to me. There was never <laughs> three people that would want to hire me, but I can assume, let me presume that that could ever happen. Like, what's the first question, right? How much money? You know, then it's like, where do you live? What's my job there? I mean, I think I think it's other schools will benefit. I don't think you can get I don't think you can consolidate the talent any more than you already got it here. Well, I mean, in theory, I think you're right. I But I just don't I wonder in practice, I think that there's going to be more money to spread around in places like Tuscaloosa and Athens uh, and Clemson. And so, I, you know, may, maybe. Maybe you're right, you know, and, and Arkansas, certainly, yes, there is money there. And they can go all in and say, hey, we can get a five-star quarterback if we give all the name, image, and likeness money we've got to him, that sort of thing. But I don't know. I just – my tendency is to think that <laughs> anytime it's, it comes down to a battle of resources, the teams that always have the resources always win. But your theory is uh, is hard to disagree with. Yeah, I didn't mean to hijack the conversation with that, but as we sort of look at this, as we sort of look at this, and to me, today wasn't signing day. It was the day you sign, right? Like it just, it just got caught up in the normal churn of everything else happening in college sports. Where the old February signing day, now that was an event. That was like the day the internet servers melted down. That was a day like, you know, with shenanigans honed in. And I think part of it is like, 
there's usually not a college football playoff special the night before. There's not games on Saturday. You know, obviously everything's wacky with COVID. It just got caught up a little bit. But I do uh, I do miss some of the, uh, you know, just some of the some of the, you know, we always root for chaos on this podcast. I think our longtime listeners know that. And uh, they're really I don't I did not find much chaos today. And usually the chaos of signing day finds us. I, let me just put it this way. So there's a kid signed with uh, Kansas State. Jack Rubley. It's a four-star right. quarterback. He grew up in Colorado. He's tried to go play high school senior year in Iowa, though he declared him ineligible or whatever. But whatever. He, he left Colorado for COVID reasons, and he's going to Kansas State. He's the first four-star that he's, the school has, has signed since 2017. They don't get four stars at Kansas State. They certainly do not get four-star out-of-state quarterbacks that also are holding offers from a whole mess of good schools. Jack Rubley has got their fan base excited. There may not be as much money at Kansas State as there is at, say, you know, LSU offered that kid, okay? But he goes to LSU. He's another, it's another log on the fire. Like USC signed two four-star quarterbacks this year, and no one's that fired up for either of them. But if you're the big fish in the in a small pond, I, that's what I think evens it might even it out. Now, is Kansas State going to start routinely beating LSU for recruits? Of course not. You can pool your resources and all of a sudden you got something. That's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be very, very good for the sport because right now you have too many players going to the same schools and then you have this transfer market afterwards and everyone's selling on, you know, you, you just shouldn't, it, it shouldn't really work this way. And I think we'd be better off as a sport as a whole if, hey, Kansas State's got a, I don't know if this kid's going to be any good or not. Who knows? But Kansas State's got a good quarterback. Hey, that's cool. That's fun, right? Like, I actually like this college basketball season a little bit because there's a bunch of kids that aren't at the, the normal places. You know, sure. like that, the Cunningham kid at Oklahoma State's a lot of fun to watch. The kid at Florida State's a lot of fun to watch. Like, they're just, a, they're, they're, they're at their spots. And it's like, cool. You know, that's all right. So I, that's, that's my thought on, on this. So now we, we will see. I, you know, Alabama may be able to figure out the the, the Rubicon here and and make make my prediction a mockery. But I think well, when, when you all of a sudden Mercedes get offered money from the Mercedes plant up the street, when you start yeah. Alabama, you get the guaranteed bends yes. with your with your on signing day. I think that's gonna. Yeah, they got a they got some plants in Kansas. You know, they got. <laughs> you know, I just I don't know. I just I think it's gonna be a good thing for the sport. We we will see. But man, I'll tell you this much. Like if you're Nebraska, you're the QB in Nebraska. You're the biggest deal in a state of 2 million people. Like you are the biggest deal, 100%. And that's got to be worth something. And right now they can't get anybody in part because they're in the middle of nowhere. But when you can all of a sudden say, Hey, we got a hundred thousand dollars a year in marketing money, basically laying here. I, I, we don't know. Now the Supreme court is going to take this case. One of these cases. Yeah. So who knows? It may never even happen. They could strike it down or I don't know what they'll do. Needless to say, this is not a Supreme Court uh, podcast. So my predictions on that wouldn't be very good. <laughs> may end up as one. You never know. I think Judge people don't Judy. People come here for sober legal analysis. <laughs> yeah, I think Judge Judy will rule on this. Uh, she'll be with the, endor- the people's the, court. That's our, that's our yeah, court. We'll people's, people's court, court that thing. I'll tell you that. We'll go yeah. right up oh, yeah. against you guys there. Oh, yeah. Alito. Our and, overreaction Monday to all of Ginsburg's dissents. Yeah, Tony Barrett. You'll see what we got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. The <laughs> other big class to me that was interesting is USC. Now, everyone had Clay Helton fired this year, including us. Uh, they they smartly avoid playing Alabama and Notre Dame. 
they are five and zero. Oh, they're heading into a Pac-12 championship game. They probably they're not going to make the playoff. And then he signs the eighth best rivals class here. You know that that, that turned out pretty good for Clay Helton. It's unbelievable that, that he is he were, he's the Steve Lavin of football. Remember Lavin was at UCLA, and everybody's like. This guy can't do it at UCLA. He's not a good enough coach. And every single year, but he's like, see, he's not good enough. He should be fired. He's on the brink. Oh, you know, he just pulls it out long enough to keep keep extending his tenure. That's play help. I mean, he just he's been lucky. You know, if hey, if he if he beats Oregon, wins the Pac 12, tip my hat to him. That's you know what? They've done something I didn't expect him to, to see him do, but uh, it's pretty amazing. And yeah, he's recruited very well. They've got a good recruiting staff and he himself is a very good recruiter. I mean, he is a, one of those, you know, down home, charming guys that really has a great way of connecting with people. So, and if you're sitting on that recruiting soil, you should have a top 10 class, but to do it, given his job insecurity is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. I really give credit to the evolution of where USC has come. Uh, One of the things when Mike Bone was hired and brought in a new administrative staff at USC, like they really looked like Cincinnati, where those guys came from, Mike Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna, you had to be moneyball at Cincinnati. If you want to compete with low-end Big Ten schools and, you know, people in that footprint like Louisville, you have to like outthink and outwork and, and really position it. They get to USC and you got to remember, like they had back to back ADs that oversaw like an endless litany of federal issues, right? Between uh, Aunt Becky and the college basketball scandal. I mean, USC was just a decade of atrophy. So the things USC did in this to help this recruiting class, I hired Dante Williams. They took him from Oregon. So you went to your recruiting rival and you plucked essentially their best Southern California recruiter. They got rid of Clancy Pendergast, who was like an old school, non-grinder, non-modern defensive coordinator who was not good at his job on the sideline either. They bring in Todd Orlando. They bring in Craig Niver, who came from the culture of Tom Herman at Houston and Texas, where recruit, 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 like recruiting was important. So they really gave it a jolt, but they also added the graphics department. They also added the modern social media. Remember, they hired LSU's two guys. Uh, Sully went to college with one of them. They basically gave the thing a facelift to bring USC. Because if USC is just like okay in all those areas, they're going to beat everybody. But they just lagged so far behind that you know a lot of people in the staff at USC didn't know what they didn't know about modern recruiting. The holistic program at USC has been upgraded exponentially in essentially the last year. And I think you've seen those upgrades really translate on the recruiting trail. They didn't have like an entire recruiting staff. Some of these places, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they have a, more than a dozen people. Now, some of them are guys making like couple hundred grand a year and in the you know who are essentially the the gms of the personnel but there's also like backroom guys who are watching every high school snap of hundreds and hundreds of players there's a there's a thoroughness there that we're especially you're especially going to need at those schools now because usc now is going to be watching every unlv game and if they need a guard for a year they're going to take the you know all the all mountain west guard from unlv and is going to go there so Everything is changing. USC caught up. Props to them for that. You know, Clay Helton clearly got asbestos pants for Christmas because somehow he keeps surviving all these hot seats. I would say one other thing about this is it's important, again, for the health of the sport because we are kind of lamenting the same teams make it every year. You need the Pac-12 to be good, and it hasn't been lately. And and Oregon is doing a terrific job in recruiting. This is their second straight top five recruiting class. That bodes well, but they have to get USC going. I mean, it just it, it will change the the scope of the country if we get all five conferences at least playing at some kind of level. And so, 
Uh, you know, Helton may end up being the right guy. Who knows? He may be Steve Lavin, and it's inevitable. But uh, modernization of USC, they can't just – they don't just have Pete Carroll who can drive around a car and line up 20 guys uh, in a couple weeks. All right, one more class I wanted to bring up. We'll talk a ton of recruiting, too, uh, after the season and when we get to the real signing day, the final signing day. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin and uh, Mary Flipmas, he's been talking about. Uh, getting flips, flipping guys, got a T-shirt made, Mary Flipmas, come to the sip. He signed, uh, he got commitments and then signed 11 guys this month. Committed. <laughs> he, 11 guys in this class were not committed to Old Miss until December 4th. So in the last 12 days, he picked up 11 guys. And now I, I'm doing this at 5.33 p.m. Eastern time. Who knows? Mary Flipmas could keep going. Huge <laughs> close by by uh, the lane train and Ole Miss has got the 17th or 18th best class in the country. Kind of what we expected, I guess, out of this. Uh, He was going to do, he's going to do well. I don't know. Thoughts on that one. And really we're just going to use this opportunity to skewer Sully because no victim has been worse in, in during this, during this advent of flip miss than Tennessee, uh, whose class has predictably atrophied as they have on the field. Um, how many did they lose to Ole Miss, Sully? I think one or two to Ole Miss, but five or six in total. You know, it's not not the best look there in Knoxville. Mm. Well, one, one yeah. the best tight end in the country flipped, or one of them, uh, Hudson yeah. Wolf, left Tennessee yeah. for he Mary Flip for, missed it right down to Oxford. So, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we did really call that answer. one months ago on the pod. I will say, yeah, we, yeah. Where did the really good uh, linebacker go, Sully? They had the number one inside linebacker recruit in the country, Terrence Lewis. Yeah, he's. Down between Maryland and Tennessee, and oh, I think really? he signed today, huh. but he's going to announce it here soon. So, who knows? So he has a secret signing. He signed secret signing. That okay. That's yeah. that's very that that's a good recruiting sort of tale there. Secret I've secretly signing. signed a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan secretly never, signed agreements I, to not donate money to UMass. Never <laughs> works out too well. Don't don't do it. I would <laughs> I would say this about uh, Santa Kiffin and and Mary Flipmas is. You know what we expected Lane to come into the SEC and break a lot of eggs, and this is a great way to do it by all of a sudden stealing other people's recruits in the last couple of weeks. Because you know what that leads to—that will lead to many, many, at least grumbling backroom accusations of how did they get them? What did they do? What did they offer them? What did they promise? I don't know what went on. I just know that when you all of a sudden go in and start grabbing other people's players this close to signing day, bad feelings come with it, and then. That's when the gossip starts. I, I, you know, accusations of illicit behavior and cheating in the in Southeastern the Conference. What involving Lane Kiffin? Can you imagine? No, they just and Ole Miss. The... I mean, come on, don't just don't just niche Ole Miss in there, Pat. The problem <laughs> is you can't even do the. Uh, they just really liked campus a bit that they yeah, used to right, say. Right, right. They lo- yeah, they love the fountain on campus. No, they haven't been to campus. Yeah. Oh, they get that one. They really like the foliage, the sunset. Yeah. That's what did it. Uh, anyway. Met the professors? I, no, didn't meet professors. the professors. Yeah, didn't meet a professor. Never came to town. I don't know. I, I just assume that uh, Mary Flipmas T-shirt did it. They just got excited about the shirt uh, and went with it. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end it really quickly just by mentioning Missouri, number 20 class in the country. Pretty good. Uh, worth noting. Pittsburgh, 21st. Thought that was a little bit. Uh, good. Maryland was stealing recruits again today. Flipping, flipping, not stealing. I don't want to say anything bad. Uh, mm-hmm. And Pat, you noted this one. Crazy class. Yeah. Vanderbilt has no coach and no wins 
<laughs> and they uh, they're ranked. Tw- yeah, they didn't have a coach till Tuesday. Well, they 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 and then uh, since then they signed two guys, a two star and a three star. They kept 22, 20 rec- commitments and have the 29th best class. Not bad. Not it's bad. Amazing. So, amazing. Yeah. That's I mean, they, they got yeah two four stars. I don't know how other than the fact that the, that that school should sell itself to a degree. The thing is, it never really has. There was a couple of years with James Franklin that it did. But uh, that's good that recruits are looking at, at, at more than just, you know, what are they going to do on the field? Because 90 percent of them aren't going to the NFL. So getting a d- degree from a place like Vanderbilt can go a long way. Uh, it's just pretty sh- shocking when you go winless and don't have a coach to have a class that's in the top 30 as of right now. Can't say the coach coach was paying them. They didn't have a coach. So (laughs) the uh, the guy who held that class together, I was told, is uh, defensive line coach Javon Hay, uh, former NFL defensive lineman, played at Vanderbilt. He was uh, he was kind of the guy behind the scenes keeping everybody together. And look, if you commit to Vanderbilt, like you're you're not doing it for the fans. You're not doing it for like the parties. You're doing for the right reason. You're doing for the degree. And the degree of Vanderbilt doesn't change just because just because the coach changes. So good on those kids and those families for. for, for sticking through. Um, wh- one other thing that's that's interesting, I'm writing a, story, a column about this on Yahoo today, and I think it jives into this. We're, we're going to see a really interesting intersection here with all the seniors can come back for an extra year, and then everybody on a roster right now has an extra season. And you also have an unprecedented amount of guys in the portal. There's about 750 today. And you're going to have the one-time transfer rule that, that's expected to pass in January. So rosters are just going to be bonkers for the next couple of years. I had a coach tell me today, if you are a high school kid in the 2022 class, so the next class, and you have an offer, take it now. Because next season, you are allowed to be the over the 85 scholarship mark. Uh, so say it. 15 seniors come back, you can have 100 dudes on your roster, all right? Well, all those other three classes on your roster still get an extra year. And that 85 counter goes back to 85, and you still only have 25 initials. So I had quite a few coaches. Uh, Jeff Scott at South Florida, who's really passionate about this, is he's trying to rebuild their roster. He said he thinks there could be as many as like 1,000 kids left holding the bag. I think that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but there certainly could be hundreds of kids who all of a sudden don't want to go to Mercyhurst and end up working construction. Like there's, there's, because you can only take 25 kids to start, there's really going to, there, there's really going to be some pressure points and there's going to be interesting decisions moving forward. And how committed are you? Yeah. Well, they're, they're, here's what you're going to see. I think with, with a lot of the kids that want to stick around, you better be good because if you're not, here's what you're going to get. Yes, the NCAA is giving you an extra year. We're not giving you an extra year of money. You can walk on. You can walk on or take a partial or something like that, but we are not going to give you an extra year of money. So that's where, you know, yes, you are absolutely right, though, that the number crunch is going to be insane and the ways people have to figure out to deal with it are going to be really interesting. All right, let's get to the race for the case. It's pretty exciting. First, as always, this week's odds are from our friends at BetMGM who have a deal going right now. New users get $25 in bonus money upon registration, no deposit required, and they receive a 100% deposit match of up to $1,000 with their first deposit. Pretty good deal. Sign up at BetMGM.com slash Yahoo. Make sure to use the promo code SPORTSBOOK when you make your first deposit. That's SPORTSBOOK. The promo is valid for new users in New Jersey, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, 
in Colorado. If you don't live there, rethink where you live. <laughs> you also got to be 21 years or older in terms of apply. Check out all the details at betmgm.com slash Yahoo. All right, look, last week for the race for the case. Very, very excited. I applaud us considering the games we had to pick, especially early in the year. The fact we had to pick them three days ahead of time with no idea what the injuries, COVID, weather, nothing. Every one of us is at least 500. That's pretty darn good. And technically, all of us have a shot here because Pete could go, oh, everyone else could go over and I could somehow go 6 and 0. But Pete, you are leading by one game 50 to 50 victories, 38 and 1. Pat, 49, 39 and 1. Mm. Sully, 46, 42 and 1. And I am 44, 44 and 1. Plus the, 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 I would win with the Fat Bear Challenge. <laughs> A tiebreak. <laughs> you have at least consistently brought that up. That's for sure. I'm not forgetting it. What was my guy? 747. Was that him? Yeah. 747 is sleeping somewhere. <laughs> Good on you, yeah. big fella. Somewhere in Alaska, a very fat bear is sleeping. Yep. All right. We could have a gif of like the fat bear like jumping on Pat and I, like unsuspectingly. To, He's gonna <laughs> like a belly that flop. Fat, that fat bear is gonna win me some beer. Uh, obviously the, the winner, the other guy's got to buy a case of beer for him or something. I think that's how it goes, right? I think so. The, I can't even remember. Yeah. Anyway. Last right, year, I pick... asked you guys to donate to, uh, play ball Boston, the charity I'm on the board of, which was very nice of you to do. And everybody, if I, I win, that. I will take beer. I'm not <laughs> right. some charity in this heart. <laughs> Forget charity. This is beer on the line. Yeah, your charity is your this belly. Is <laughs> this is important. All right. Number 10, Oklahoma Sooners at number six, Iowa State. Iowa State has uh, got a chance to win the Big 12. I know we're picking on you because you're number six, but it is a tremendous story. And if you win, I will drink Bush Light uh, during the post-game show there at uh, noon. Game is noon Saturday on ABC. Oklahoma is the favorite by five and a half. So Oklahoma's given five and a half. Can the Cyclones complete the dream? The children of the corn, can they come through? Pete, you go first. I'm going to take Oklahoma. Uh, I feel like they have uh, the, the defense has gotten markedly better this year. They had some key defensive players out for suspension when the teams met the uh, the first time early in the year. And I have faith in Lincoln Riley adjusting and moving and uh, putting the throttle down here. They obviously, as Pat mocked me uh, last week when I tried to pick Oklahoma or West Virginia before COVID won that game, uh, they did not play that well against Baylor. But I... Uh, I, I'm going to go against the city of Ames. The uh, the, the water is dirty. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, oh, wait a minute now. Oh, that's man. dirty. That's that's nasty right there. Man. Nasty talk. No matter what you can say about the Cyclone football fortunes, that water is good to drink, <laughs> according to that song. And some third-party award giver. <laughs> that's a... You know, what a job. I, I drive around the country or Iowa or something drinking the water. And then like, what do you do for work? Oh, I test water and tell you which one tastes best. <laughs> I'm in Dubuque today. It's a little flat. <laughs> kind of. I mean, easy work, but kind of boring. Yeah, I would think I, there's better things to drink than water, although it's important. But steady paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Steady paycheck. Uh, <laughs> I boy. 
I love it in the city of Ames. I like their water, and I'm taking the Cyclones here. Uh, I, I'm not sure they win, but five and a half, I think this is a field goal kind of game, one way or the other. Iowa State plays a lot of close games, or a fair number of them. So uh, the thing, I, I am concerned because Oklahoma's run defense has gotten better at the same time that Brees Hall's production has gotten worse. So that puts a lot on Brock Purdy, but I'm going to say that, by the way, you mocked me for picking West Virginia. I did not mock you for picking Oklahoma. Let's let's set the record straight there, Pete Thamel. Well, I had said Oklahoma was playing better because they'd won six yeah, in a row. Yeah, but that was after you mocked me rhythm. for picking West Virginia. So then I yeah, responded. It was, it, was a, it was a terrible pick, and no one will ever know how terrible it was because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. We've been robbed of many things during this pandemic. Yes, we have. <laughs> well, I'm, we're going head-to-head here. Maybe this is the game that I can pick up to tie you. I am taking the Cyclones. All right, Sully. I'm taking the Sooners. Spencer Rattler did not have the best game the last time out they played the Cyclones. Has been playing better of late. Give me Oklahoma. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Oklahoma, too. I think they're a better team. If they win and cover, I, I get a win here. If uh, they don't, if Iowa State pulls off the uh, actual upset, I drink Bush Light. So uh, I'm, to, I'm just hedging my bets here. Now, I think I'm taking Sooners, although I'd like to see Iowa State win this thing. All right, number 14, Northwestern versus number four, Ohio State. Ohio State is giving 20. The game is at noon on Fox. Better than the Saturday night event, I guess. They, I guess they owed Fox probably big time for that noon window. Uh, all the canceled games. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, Buckeyes giving 20. Pat? Oh, I'm conflicted here because you know Ohio State wants to put the throttle down and put on a show to solidify their place. But I think Northwestern is going to be a hard time team to put the throttle down against. Uh, I just think... Boy, talk about a team that plays close games and wants to keep everything low scoring and slow uh, and grind. That's Northwestern. And the one thing I like there, their pass defense is the best in the nation and their cornerbacks are good. And they also they are really good at grabbing the tail of receivers jerseys to slow them down. We'll see if that gets called against Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who may be the best receiving core in the country or receiving tandem. Northwestern is not going to win, but Northwestern is going to cover the 20.5. I just think back to some of these Big Ten title games that Ohio State's been in over the year and just like the collective talent gap between them and the uh, and the teams in the Big Ten West, including two years ago against uh, against Northwestern. I agree. I like Northwestern's corners. I just think that the just general lack of speed and skill, and I'm certainly not going to bring up any comparisons to an ESPN announcer here. You know, we're not going to call him the fighting Dan Wetzels, but I just really feel like collectively there is, there is a, there is a talent gap and I don't feel like Peyton Ramsey's strength is going to address Ohio state's defense's weakness, which is, I think they can be beat over the top. I don't think their safety play is great. I think other than Sean Wade, their corners are just okay, but I just think, uh, I don't think this is like that Wisconsin Cardale Jones game a few years back, but I, I like think back to that Big Ten title game two years ago. I don't think Northwest this Northwestern team, this Northwestern team's better than that team, which was awful in the non-con. I don't think this Ohio State team is like so much discernibly worse that the result isn't this. I'm taking the Buckeyes. Lay those points. Ride Day's going to have these guys locked in. They're going to have to go out and pummel the Wildcats uh, to really, you know, stave off any sort of mischief from the college football playoff committee. Give me Ohio State. Arrested and ready Buckeyes looking for style points. I'm taking OSU. Uh, all right, number 19, Louisiana at number 12, Coastal Carolina. Hell of a game here. 
3.30 on ESPN. Coastal is giving three and a half. We've had a lot of fun with the fun belt this year. Who wins the championship? Pete. It's, a, it's probably the hardest game to pick. Like, I, I mean, it, they played earlier in the season. Obviously, uh, Coastal won that game uh, at Louisiana by three points, 30 to 27. If memory serves me right, October 14th feels like it was three years ago. Was that a late field goal, Pat? Did they win? It on? was, yes. Uh, field goal with, I yeah, think, it, four seconds left. Yeah, exactly. It was a heck, heck of a game. Uh, I... I Boy, I, I don't have a strong conviction on this game, but I'm going to go with Coastal again. They're they're at home this time. They're they they shook off you know the, the expected letdown game against Troy that that Pat referenced. I feel like they can control the clock with their offense and their defense will do just enough. But uh, yeah, it's a shame this game isn't on like Thursday night or Friday night because I would love to watch every snap. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, this is a good game. These are good teams. A combined record, they have one loss between them, and they played a great game against each other. That's Louisiana's only loss. I'm going to take. Coastal uh, as well. You know, I think it's it's a it's a it could be a field goal game, but I'm going to say it's a touchdown game, and Coastal gets that touchdown spread to cover. Better quarterback play. Grayson McCall uh, makes the difference. Pat's still mad at Napier for taking that safety. That's the real reason. <laughs> hey, I, we survived. We survived that. But my God, what a horrible play! Oh, <laughs> Billy Napier is going to be the coach at like Tennessee in three years. And Pat's still going to be pissed about that. Safety. Yep. <laughs> Never forgive him. There's no grudge like a Pat 40 <laughs> spread. Race for the spread case grudge. grudge. <laughs> Just ask Chris Creighton. <laughs> oh, Chris Creighton. From Creighton Pack to Coastal. I've loved the chance all year. Love the wrestling. Love the guys from Myrtle Beach. But when Pat and Pete give me a chance to pick against them, I'm going to take it. Give me Billy Napier and the boys. I feel like this is going to be a one or two point game. I just, I, 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 so I'm, I'm really leaning to Louisiana, but I also, I kind of want to give Sully, I'm, I'm out of it, right? So I kind of, in the spirit of, of just, you know, the holidays, I want to give Sully the chance to, when he, when he has a lone wolf pick, he, he texts out a, a, a howling wolf <laughs> like a hundred <laughs> times into the group text. <laughs> And I, I don't want to cheat him from that. <laughs> hey, I, I haven't added it up yet, but I am very good lone wolfing against you three this season. I, I, I It's got to be close to a winning record. Is that for our off-season analytics? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> he has some picture of a howling wolf on his phone that he loves sending out. So I'm going to give you that, Sully. I'm going to do that for you. I'm taking Coastal Carolina. Sully was 3-1 and one on Thursday lone wolf picks uh, during <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the analyst to break that That's down. That's got a couple of wolves yeah, yeah. too. This is going to be very interesting. I do. So three games in, we got three lone wolves. Someone call Gary Barta. Uh, we got to let that get that into the thing. All right. Uh, let's see if anyone lone wolves this one. Number seven, Florida, Bama, negative 17 and a half. Given 17 and a half to the Gators, 8 p.m. on CBS. Game is uh, the evening. They moved the CBS... Like these TV, I'm at four o'clock is supposed to be when that SEC title game is. I'm in, I'm, I'm rattled. It's when the sun sets over Buckhead. <laughs> <laughs> Get the sunset. <laughs> yeah, as 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 viewed from indoors. Yes. Yeah. Not a lot so, of people are going to get that joke, but the people that yeah. do are going to think it's pretty funny. As the neon lights of Magic City flash on, <laughs> uh, we start the the third quarter of the championship game in Atlanta. <laughs> Under the glow of the chicken wings. <laughs> yes. Garter belts. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Williams right. raises a lemon as, pep to you. To the as Sapphire begins her shift, they kick off. I mean, yep. 
Lou Williams was willing to risk the entire NBA bubble to get an order of lemon pepper wings. They got it. It's the greatest endorsement of a chicken wing ever. <laughs> so, all right. I don't know who Magic City's picking, but I want to know who you are, Pat. Alabama, lay the lumber, period. Bama. Come on, Bama. Let's move it on. Yeah. This line is so bad. I'm somehow wondering where the, it's a sucker line. Right. Somehow I'm going to fall for this. Uh, are you kidding me? I don't get this line at all. Bama. Saban Come rests on. his starters in the fourth quarter and they backdoor. That's the only avenue. I see. Why is he going to rest his starters for what? College know. football. Could be play. nice to Dan Mullen. I don't well, see it. There's no break between the regular season and the polls. Yeah, you get you got a 12 day turnaround basically, or something like that. So 13. Oh, that's 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 a tight window for Ohio State to play. I don't <laughs> know if they'll be able to do it. <laughs> Clemson, number three, first, number two, Notre Dame. Uh, one of the best games of the year, maybe the best game of the year. Notre Dame is getting 10 and a half. Clemson is giving 10 and a half. Uh, no respect for that early victory. 4 p.m. on ESPN. Hell of a double dip. Clemson, Notre Dame, Bama, Florida. That's pretty good stuff. With Louisiana Coastal as your uh, as your commercial uh, sideshow during the Clemson, Notre Dame game. That's going to be some good college football. Clear your schedule. I'm taking the Irish. Ten and a half is a lot of points, and I feel like Notre Dame's offensive line, which I haven't seen a ton of games in person this year because of COVID, it's the most impressive on-the-hoof offensive line that I've seen in a very long time uh, when I saw them at Boston College earlier this year. And I think that, combined with some diamondism from their, from their backs, Williams and Tyree, gives them a chance to grind this game out and keep it close. And quite frankly, I think they could win. I, I, it would not shock me because Clemson's weaknesses are still Clemson's weaknesses. And so I think Clemson wins. I think it's another close game. I just can't see. I have a hard time seeing this Notre Dame team is currently constructed getting blown off the field. Yeah, I'm taking uh, Notre Dame to cover. I'm not taking them to win. I think Clemson wins. I think Trevor Lawrence is the difference. Uh, but I, I, I agree with Pete. I think this is a close, hard fought game the whole way and giving double digit points is too much. So I'm taking the points. Oh, boy. Yeah. Give me a lone wolf. Clemson, bring it on. Give me Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think he really is going to make the difference here. And again, I get to pick against Pat and Pete ahead of me. Give me the Tigers all day. All right. He's going to do another lone wolf because I'm going to take Notre Dame, too. I think that this spread is just the level of disrespect Notre Dame needs. Uh, it's it's going to be a hard-fought win. I do expect Clemson to, to win the game, but ten and a half is an awful lot, and, and Notre Dame will fight to the very bitter end, so the backdoor cover is there. Uh, all right, locks of the week. Who's got a lock of the week with the, uh, the remaining games? The whole schedule has – what do we got here? I got one. 22 games currently scheduled. Yeah. Sully, you go first. This very move burnt me a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to go back to the well. AM laying 14 points in Knoxville. They're going to have to lay some wood to make the playoffs, and they're absolutely going to be able to do it against a volunteer team. Uh, that just, you know, it just isn't very good. So give me the Aggies. Yeah. Uh, give me some action. Uh, Buffalo is an extremely good team, and they can score like crazy, and they're only giving 13 and a half to Ball State. Ball State's a nice little story. They're four and one, uh, best record team they've had in quite a while. But uh, no, I'm sorry, they're five and one. But uh, Buffalo is way better than Ball State and will easily cover thirteen and a half. Uh, I'm going to take Boise State. Uh, they are uh, giving six against San Jose State in the Mountain West Championship game. San Jose has been an unbelievably great story, but uh, I really like. Uh, I think Boise. 
gets this thing rolling. That's at 415. That game is on Fox. That's a big game. I'm going to take Boise. So that's my lock of the week. Pete, are you all right? You're so when in doubt, pick against Tennessee, right? So I, I, there's limited scope this week. I don't feel great about anything. I haven't been very good with my locks, actually, uh, lately. But te- Texas A&M goes into Knoxville, unmotivated, transfer portal filled, decommitment land of Knoxville. Um, you know, the staff's a mess. Everyone's looking over their shoulder for what's going to happen next for Jeremy Pruitt. I just can't see all of a sudden Tennessee playing with a whole lot of pride. So let's uh, let's take Texas A&M uh, in minus 14. Also, by taking Sully's pick, he, they neutralize as one of Sully's advantages oh, of maybe gaining a game. Dastardly. Dastardly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that wasn't Sully's pick. Sully picked a different game. No, right? he picked that no, game. No, that was their pick. Uh, he so picked a yeah, yeah. We, good job. Thanks. We for need pay, you to listen, listen to, to the, the podcast pod. as it's being. Recorded. I mean, we can't even get the damn host <laughs> Sorry, the show to we listen to the lock pod. Of the week. I didn't have one, so I just focused in on the twenty-two games to try to find. <laughs> and one. you know what? This is the this is our leader, I, which ought to tell you about Sully's this. Sully's in danger of catching me. I could be wrong. Oh, oh. oh. I don't have a chance anymore. We both picked Alabama, which is my fault. But yeah, that, I'm, I need six games. Two games are gone. See ya. Yeah, yes. you just you just you eliminated them from contention right there. It was, that, it was that genius. Is a, a vicious Albanian tactic there. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday after the playoff field is set. Could be really boring. Could be really exciting. Uh, we could be laughing at Gary Bardo. We could be praising him. You know, we'll give him a chance. Uh, but uh, we'll be back. Thank you for listening. That is my lock of the week. <laughs> yeah, lock of the week. We we crack some Gary Barta jokes. That. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for listening all season. Can you believe it? Last week of the regular season. Soak up every game. Like, you know, that Nebraska Rutgers game, <laughs> you're, you're going to be killing for that thing in like middle of February. I mean, that True. is, a, what was, there was one that was even worse. Michigan State, Maryland. Yeah, oh my God. 7.30 on a Saturday night. Yeah. Oh. Arizona. Oh, you know, we're all watching Arizona State, Oregon State late. Oh, the yeah. 10.30 ESPN game. The last, yeah. I mean. Anyway, this is what we got. It's, the last, we made- like the, it's like the last, last call of your last night of college. You it know? really is. <laughs> it's really is. Right. Degenerates only, please. Should have bet that game just as a bonus. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I mean, Arizona State finishes its season heading into the game one and two. All right. Good, good, good. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> Texas State played 12 games like a month ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just got their 12 in. They didn't care. COVID? What the hell is that? All right. We'll talk to you guys Sunday. See you.